G'day everyone. Welcome to The Journey this week, coming to you like it does every week from Dharawal country. It's the fifth Sunday of Lent. My name's Max Norden and this week I'm in the chair for Jude Hennessy while Jude takes a short break. We're rapidly heading towards Easter and this week we have Jesus' final miracle before his entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. It's the raising of Lazarus, but more on that in just a moment. We're honoured to contribute to Christian Radio, and we're really privileged to do it in this Lenten season, which for us, and for many of the sacramental churches, is a time of repentance, deepening prayer, and breaking open the Scriptures. Speaking of breaking open the Scriptures, we've got some great reflections for you this week. We continue our Triumph Lenten series with two more reflections, one from Ken Bryant and the other, Brother Lewis Harwood. They both give us some tips on discerning sacred scripture. Father Mike Delaney has a story about mobile phone ring around, and that makes Father Mike wonder if our relationship with the mobile phone is reflective of our relationship with God. Mother Hilda has been thinking about the death of Lazarus and the grief of Martha and Mary. She says, Martha and Mary show us a great way to deal with grief. Father Mark D. Batista continues his Lenten Gospel Reflection series. The raising of Lazarus is the greatest sign of Jesus' public ministry recorded by any of the evangelists and the last sign of his public ministry. There's a lot happening in this Gospel, so I've opted to give you the long version, John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45, rather than the optional shorter version, so that you'll get to hear how Jesus leads Martha and Mary into an explicit affirmation of faith in Him and their belief in His power and identity. I'll proclaim it for you in just a moment, then after Father Mark, we'll hear Psalm 129, With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. After the break, Mother Hilda Scott will be giving you her wisdom from the Abbey. Faith, hope, love and life. I'm Max Norton, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy. I'm so glad that you've joined us on the journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a man named Lazarus who lived in the village of Bethany with the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and he was ill. It was the same Mary, the sister of the sick man Lazarus, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. The sisters sent this message to Jesus, Lord, the man you love is ill. On receiving the message, Jesus said, This sickness will end not in death, but in God's glory, and through it the Son of God will be glorified. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was for two more days before saying to the disciples, Let us go to Judea. The disciples said, Rabbi, it's not long since the Jews wanted to stone you. Are you going back again? Jesus replied, Are there not twelve hours in the day? A man can walk in daytime without stumbling, because he has the light of this world to see by. But if he walks at night, he stumbles, because there is no light to guide him. He said that, and then added, Our friend Lazarus is resting. I'm going to wake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's able to rest, he is sure to get better. 
the phrase Jesus used referred to the death of Lazarus, but they thought that by rest he meant sleep. So Jesus put it plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there because now you will believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, known as the twin, said to the other disciples, Let us go too and die with him. On arriving, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days already. Bethany is only about two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to sympathise with them over their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus had come, she went to meet him. Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, he will grant you. Your brother, said Jesus to her, will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was to come into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in a low voice, The Master is here and wants to see you. Hearing this, Mary got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village. He was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were in the house sympathising with Mary saw her get up so quickly and go out, they followed her, thinking she was going to the tomb to weep there. Mary went to Jesus, and as soon as she saw him, she threw herself at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. At the sight of her tears and those of the Jews who followed her, Jesus said in great distress, with a sigh that came straight from the heart, where have you put him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept, and the Jews said, See how much he loved him? But there were some who remarked, He opened the eyes of the blind man. Could he have not prevented this man's death? Still sighing, Jesus reached the tomb. It was a cave with a stone to close the opening. Jesus said, Take the stone away. Martha said to him, Lord, by now he will smell. This is the fourth day. Jesus replied, Have I not told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. I knew indeed that you always hear me, but I speak for the sake of all these who stand round me so that they may believe it was you who sent me. When he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, here, come out. The dead man came out, his feet and hands bound with bands of stuff and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go free. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Mark de Batista.
The raising of Lazarus is the greatest sign of Jesus' public ministry recorded by any of the evangelists. His first sign in John's Gospel was at a wedding feast, and his last sign was after a funeral of Lazarus. The distance between Bethany and Jerusalem was just under two and a half kilometers, and the distance from where Jesus was when he received the news about Lazarus's illness was around 33 kilometers north of Bethany, with Bethany having an increase in altitude of just under 500 meters. Therefore, it was a full day's journey from Bethany to where Jesus was going north. But it would have taken a little longer to make the journey south towards Jerusalem because of the increase in altitude. The delay of a further two days before responding to the request from the sisters, Martha and Mary, may at face value seem as though Jesus was slow to respond. Yet it was not due to any lack of affection towards this family that Jesus delayed, but so that God may be glorified. By calculating the time to make the journey to and from Bethany, as well as the two additional days Jesus remains in the place where he was when the messengers arrived with the news, then Lazarus would have died the same day the messengers arrived to tell Jesus. We know this because when Jesus arrived in Bethany, Martha tells him that it has been four days since her brother died. According to Jewish custom, Lazarus would have been buried on the same day. Had Jesus responded straight away, then Lazarus would not have died, and the sign would not have been as great. Moreover, according to some rabbinic teaching, which may have already been present at that time, the spirit of the person did not leave the body until the third day. Hence, the raising of a man after four days in the tomb would make it a clear sign that Jesus is raising someone from the dead, and whose body had already begun to decompose. The entire dialogues, firstly between Jesus and Martha, and secondly between Jesus and Mary, take place outside the village. In Jewish custom, the first seven days of mourning after a death of a family member were spent at home, where neighbors, relatives and friends were obliged by piety to come to console you, bring you meals, and keep you company to assist one in his or her grieving. Hence, when Martha leaves the house, Mary stays behind, presumably so as to keep the visitors company. Jesus leads Martha in a dialogue about resurrection, while her own understanding could well have been resuscitation. Incidentally, though separately, both Martha and Mary repeat the same phrase. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus wants to lead them into an explicit affirmation of faith in him, which Martha gives unequivocally. Translating from the Greek, she answers in the perfect tense, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God. In other words, Martha has always believed in the power and identity of Jesus, even before this dialogue ever took place. This is the high point of the passage. A full and explicit profession of faith in Jesus has been made, and now the stage is set for the greatest miracle of all his ministry. When Lazarus is called out of the tomb, he comes out still wrapped in cloths, with the face cloth just less than a square meter in size around his head. The sign speaks for itself, and many came to believe in him. 
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full.
listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. Grief comes to all of us at some stage. As Queen Elizabeth II said, grief is the price we pay for love. You will have noticed that death is the obvious reason for grief. And so often what we experience is that part of us dies as well. A double grief. How foolish we are if we think there is a magic formula for surmounting grief. It may change its appearance and become more livable. It may even be the means of greater and renewed love. Yet I believe it stays as a friend, not an enemy, who can remind us that once upon a time we were human enough and godlike enough to love. Tears are a rightful and noble part of grief too, and the shedding of tears, likewise, is both human and godlike. Furthermore, remember, physical death is not the only cause of grief. We die when we lose our job. We die when we cannot fulfil our life's ambition. We die when a relationship ceases to exist. We die when someone diminishes us or someone we love is hurt. I don't need to elaborate any further. You will know all the deaths that apply to you and every one of them is valid. May I also say, never ever think that because something is an experience of grief for you and not for others, it is somehow less than. Grief is grief. I remember watching a young teenager cry once because her grandmother, who had always been very kind to her, had died. She didn't have the words to explain the anguish inside her. And perhaps the adults around her did not know what to do with their own grief, let alone the grief of an adolescent. My heart broke for her as I heard her father say, What are you crying about? Grandma is dead, the poor thing said in a wavering voice. Well, stop it. You are simply drawing attention to yourself. It is as cruel to me now as it was when I first heard him say it. I watched the young girl unsuccessfully fight back a renewed onslaught of tears, fueled by the misunderstanding and ineptness of someone who should have understood. We get it wrong so often, don't we? We just don't always know how to deal with grief. Jesus gets it in one. He turns up. He does not run away from death as we sometimes do. He openly acknowledged his own pain and acknowledged the pain of Martha and Mary. He made it clear that his concern was the anguish of his beloved friends. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Genuine love goes a long way toward telling us how to be. He spoke sincerely in great distress with a sigh that came straight from the heart. He entered into the experience. He allowed the two sisters to tell him how they were feeling, not how they should be feeling. If you had been here. Yes, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead 
and that was truly wonderful with all its theological implications around his own death and resurrection. But you know what? You, with the help of God, through your own love for someone else, you too can also raise a deadened heart to life. Triumph is something to be shared. Thanks, Mother Hilda. That's so true. Grief comes to all of us at some stage, and we usually don't know how to handle it, but... Just as he did for Martha and Mary, Jesus will always turn up for us if we ask him. After the break, Ken Bryant continues our Lenten series by reminding us that as Lent draws to a close, we can read the daily scripture readings to prepare us for the great week, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and then his death and resurrection. And the music continues, I couldn't resist this one. Here's Cain and their song, Rise Up Lazarus linking into today's gospel. And after the break, it's Jaden Street and that classic Lenten song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Faith, hope, love and life. I'm Max Norden, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy. Thanks for being on the journey.
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Another Lenten connection, this time Ken Bryant. The exponential growth of display signage outside of churches, schools and centres of public gathering has been a valuable addition to the life of communities. Recently, 
Such a sign outside a diocesan Catholic school reminded all that God is with us wherever we may be. As social beings, we humans long for connection and relationship. Meaningful relationships are crucial to our well-being and our sense of purpose. That the scourges of loneliness and disconnection, anathemas to the fullness of our humanity, became ever more prevalent in our community. As the school sign so rightly declared, and as scripture constantly reminds us, God is ever-present and in relationship with us. God is the rock where we can always take refuge, says the psalmist. God's love will never leave us, proclaims Isaiah. And Jesus himself promises, the Holy Spirit will be with us always. In times of disconnection, of distress and brokenness, we can take comfort in this knowledge of our God who is with us always. This Lenten season, as we prepare to enter into the sacred mysteries of Holy Week, we are called to nurture and abide ever more deeply in this relationship of love with God. Our Lenten practices of prayer, fasting and almsgiving all serve to forever strengthen this union. They deepen our capacity to enrich our relationships with our neighbours and loved ones and to open our hearts to restoring our world. So strengthened, we can be the living signpost to others, the prophets to our world, encouraging and enabling all to remember, to reach out and reclaim their relationship with each other and with our God. Let us pray. God of redeeming love, grant unto me a willing spirit and a fresh heart so as to be your leaven in the world. Amen. Thank you, Ken Bryant. If you want to read the scripture passage Ken was using for his reflection, it's Psalm 18, which is one of the scripture readings scheduled for Friday 31st of March. Coming up after the break, Father Mike Delaney in his God in the Everyday segment and how Father Mike thinks our relationship with our mobile phone might also reflect our relationship with God and you'll just love his phone ring-around story. Right now, though, let's get back into some music. Here's Anne Wilson and My Jesus, Faith, Hope, Love and Life. My name's Max Norton, sitting in for Jude Hennessy, and you're still on the journey. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and His grace is
the price for all my guilty Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus Oh He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up Hope, love, and life. This is The Journey. And now, seeing God in life's everyday events, here's Father Mike Delaney. On a recent Sunday after Mass, I was sitting at my desk when the house phone rang. I hope you can remember what they are, or were. I answered it, and my brother, ringing from Wollongong, asked how Peter was. I responded by asking, Peter, who? Lockie, he replied. Peter O'Loughlin is a retired priest who is a great mate of my sister-in-law's uncle. She'd had a call from her cousin to say that he'd collapsed at Mass and had been taken to hospital by ambulance. He'd been celebrating Mass in a parish helping out another priest who was on holidays. Since this had happened just two hours prior to his call to me, the jungle jums hadn't reached the southern suburb of Kingston. His collapse had occurred in the northern suburbs of Hobart, so it was all news to me. Now, I made some phone calls and eventually found out that he was in hospital with suspected low blood pressure, but was being monitored and would probably be kept in hospital overnight. In fact, he was released at 6am the next morning. Along the way, I thought to try and contact his sister, but didn't have a mobile number for her, so needed to contact a few people. Luckily, the second person I rang was able to help me. I left a message on her voicemail with details as I knew them and suggested if she needed any further info to ring me when she got the message. Later in the afternoon, I got a call back from her to say that she'd been to the hospital and that he was okay. But both she and her brother were intrigued as to how I had found out about it so quickly. I told her the story of how someone had rung someone on the mainland who had rung my brother, who had rung me, and I'd rung her. Now, many of us take our phones for granted, and when we actually use them for making and receiving phone calls, we can even sometimes curse them. There's an old saying that goes, Once upon a time, the phone was attached to the wall, and we were free to wander. Now, we are attached to the phones, and our freedom is gone. On that Sunday, it was useful that, using our phones, we were able to establish that a priest had collapsed but was now being cared for in hospital, and that people who needed to know had been informed. At the end of all of it, I wondered, how often do I really appreciate my phone and all the things that it can do to help, and how it makes life easier? 
Or do I somehow just take it for granted and expect that it will be there whenever I need it? Or is my use of the phone a little like my relationship with God, something that's great when I need God, but taken for granted at other times? Thanks, Father Mike. Maybe you broke the relationship between yourself and your mobile phone during Lent by having less screen time. But Father Mike's analogy there is interesting. Do we really appreciate our relationship with God or do we just take it for granted? Coming up after the break, another of our Triumph Lenten series reflections, this time with Brother Lewis Harwood on having a holistic approach to the scriptures. But let's get into some more music. Here's Keith and Kristen Getty and His Mercy Is More. Faith, hope, love and life. My name is Max Norden, sitting in for Jude Hennessy. We're getting towards the end, but you're still on the journey. Mom! 
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. The Triumph Lenten series continues with Brother Lewis Harwood and his reflection for Saturday 1st of April on John chapter 11 verses 45 to 56. How do we use the gift of our logic, reason and thinking capacities? Moreover, what type of learners are we? Visual, kinesthetic, auditory, social, existential? The educationalist Howard Gardner would argue that there are multiple learning styles and ways to acquire knowledge. For example, when we come to reading sacred scripture, do we only use our minds? There is a long line of Catholic intellectual doctors of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Catherine of Siena, among others, who wrote extensively about faith and the search to understand the existence of God. In practice, the study of theology and spirituality is best realised when the theory and research are combined with the practical realities of everyday life. Thinking with our minds and hearts should not be mutually exclusive, but rather a holistic approach in discerning the scriptures. In today's Gospel from John chapter 11, 45-56, We read that people travelled to Jerusalem to purify themselves and to see Jesus. To many ancient historians and psalmists, Jerusalem was and is a holy place where the dreams and the hopes of the people of God can dwell and live. Even today, to think of Jerusalem is to envision a place where the major monotheistic religions of Christianity, Islam and Judaism coexist. Indeed, how do we understand the role of faith and religion in our lives? And how do we think with all our minds, hearts and souls in sharing and witnessing to the new Jerusalem? Take time today to pause and ponder about what it means to seek faith through understanding culture, history and the spiritual longings of the heart. Let us pray. Loving God, You have made us for yourself, and in you we live and move and have our being. We pray for the grace to deepen our awareness today in how we think, feel, share, and model and action this innate and sacred relationship. Amen. Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Change the 
Finishing off the show with another song with a Lenten theme, Newsboys and Jesus Paid It All. And before that, thanks to Brother Lewis Harwood and his tip on taking a holistic approach to discerning scripture. Thanks to all our contributors on the show this week, the Brother Lewis Harwood, Father Mike Delaney, Ken Bryant, Mother Hilda Scott and Father Mark DiBattista right back at the beginning of the show with the Gospel Reflection. And a special thanks to all our participating radio stations as well who bring you the journey each week, no matter where you're listening, along the East Coast, down in Tassie, in the nation's capital, over in the West, or across the divide, across regional Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, we just love doing this show for you. And we'll be doing it all again next week. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Max Norden, sitting in this week for Jude Hennessy. The Journey is produced in Dharawal Country by the Office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong. Check us out at jcr.org.au.